welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go. You made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online around the country and world. Always glad to welcome you. We know this is your connection to us and us to you, wherever you might be watching and dialing in today. Glad you joined us as well. And happy Mother's Day, everybody. But also happy Minnesota opening fishing, which is almost as important, I think, <laughs> at least in some of our worlds. So just glad you're here, dialed in. We are in a series called I Believe in God, But... Because 90% of all Americans still believe in God, but often there's a question or an objection. Today's message is, I believe in God, but I don't believe in absolute truth. It's the idea that truth changes, that what's true for you uh, might not necessarily be true for me, which is kind of confusing to me, because if you believe in an all-powerful, all-knowing God, wouldn't you also believe that he is the source of all truth? In fact, 50 years ago, the cover of Time magazine asked, is God dead? Is God dead? But then just three weeks ago, uh, they did a follow-up question. They said, is truth dead? And we know it's a follow-up question because the covers are identical. Uh, plus, the font they used in 1966 no longer exists. They had to have an artist reproduce uh, this past uh, couple weeks ago this font for this year's cover. So Time, Time magazine made a connection between, is God dead? And is truth dead? Because if God is dead, then truth is absolutely dead. If there is no God, there is no absolute truth. There's no right or wrong. What's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. I mean, if there's no God, who's to say that lying, cheating, stealing, or even rape or murder is wrong? Because if there is no God, there is no absolute truth. But if God isn't dead, if God is who we say he is, the creator of all that exists, the author of life, the one who created every living thing, then God is the source of all truth. So if someone says, I believe in God, but not an absolute truth, it's really a contradiction. Because gang, if God is real, if God created all that exists, everything that we see, everything around us, then everything he created is true and by his design. For example, gravity is absolutely true, and by God's design, we need gravity actually to live. The earth traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour, imagine that. We are just screaming through space. 67,000 miles an hour, we are traveling without even a breeze, barely. Any slower and we'd burn up, any faster and we'd fly off the face of the planet. But the earth traveling that fast is absolutely true. And by God's creative design. The, the difference between apples and broccoli is obviously true. Right? And by God's design. The difference between deer and birds is obviously true. And by God's design. The difference between men and women is true. And by God's design, marriage and families are true by God's design. Everything God created is true by his design. And whatever we believe or do that's contrary to God's truth really is ultimately destructive to us. But the real question is, does truth matter? Does it matter? For example, if you have a close friend and he or she lies to you, is that okay with you? Or if you're married and your spouse has dinner alone with a colleague of the opposite sex late at night, is it okay if he or she lies to you about that? 
If you have teenagers, does it matter to you if they tell you the truth about where they've been, or is it okay if they stumble in at 3 a.m. and lie about it? If you have a retirement account, does it matter if they tell you the truth, or is it okay if they skim some of your money off the top in risky speculation? You know, those who say, I believe in God, but not in absolute truth, does it matter when someone lies, cheats, steals, defrauds, or walks out on them? Do they still not believe in absolute truth then? A couple weeks ago, I was turkey hunting, and this is the time of year when tom turkeys think that they're God. Uh, they strut around, and they show off, and they beat up on the younger males, and they just think they're the, they're the coolest thing on the planet. But this is the time of year they also have a weakness, and that weakness is women. And it's all they can think about. Now, contrary to what some people think, a wild turkey is very smart. His hearing and eyesight is 100 times better than a human. He will see a movement or hear a noise 300 yards away, and he will disappear on you. So what you have to do as a hunter is hunker down in full camouflage and try to sound like a hen turkey. Your goal is to deceive and fool that tom turkey into thinking you are hot to trot. You're just a bald little preacher guy hiding in the weeds, but you want him to think that you are lady love. And this is where absolute truth really, really matters to a Tom Turkey because this is a life or death situation for him. So the other day, I was all set up and I, I gave a yelp, which is what hens do. It's a yelp. It's kind of a mating call. and I'm going to try to do this for you. Oh, man. Oh, that, that, I mean, that's, that's just music to a Tom turkey's ears. And about 100 yards, 200 yards away, I heard this gobble, this gobble, this turkey just gobbled. And I go, oh, man, he heard my yelp. So I yelped again. And he gobbled 100 yards closer, so I knew he was coming. And so I got all ready, all set up, and made sure I was hidden properly, and three minutes later, he showed up, 60 yards away. He showed up, and he spotted my hen decoy. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> he spotted my hen decoy, and he stopped 60 yards away. Hunters call it, he hung up. He stopped, and he he put on a show, man. He was strutting and he was fanning and he was gobbling for a full half hour. He was just 60 yards away trying to get my hen to come to him. She's a decoy. She's not going anywhere. He was trying to get her to come to him and she would not come. And he just stood away from her 60 yards away because he was stubborn and arrogant like a lot of guys are. So finally, he just walked off and lived. <laughs> but three days later, I was in the same spot, and I let out a yelp, and 200 yards away, he gobbled, but he wouldn't come. So I moved 100 yards closer. I spotted him in my binoculars, but he was with another hen, a real, a real hen, which is a problem because... It's hard to get a tom turkey to come to you when he's with the real deal. But I put out the most seductive call. You can imagine. And he heard that call, and he thought, wow, 
That other hand sounds amazing. I better go check her out. And he left the safety and happiness of his real girlfriend to come check me out. Big mistake. <laughs> that cost him his life. It cost him his life. Some of you are clapping. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and the point is, truth matters. If you don't know the truth, it can cost you a marriage, a career, your family, your future. If you say, you know, I believe in God but not absolute truth, then you're not going to know the difference between right and wrong, and you're going to end up chasing things that can destroy your life. I was leaving the stage last week, and after speaking, a young man rushed the stage, said, Bob, will you pray for me? Tears just coming down his face. Never met him before in my life. So I sat down on the stage. He said, I've lost everything, my marriage, my daughter, but I'm entering Teen Challenge, and I know that God's got a hold of me. I've been sober for two months. Will you pray for me? His addiction was meth. And I told him how grateful I was he was in church and trying to get well at Teen Challenge because you can't have a marriage or a daughter or a life until you see the truth and get free. So I prayed for him. And I'm hopeful he'll make it. But Jesus said these incredible words. He said, look, when you know the truth, so good, the truth, the truth will set you free. He makes a connection between truth and freedom, which is interesting because those who say they don't believe in absolute truth do so in an effort to be free. No rules. No right or wrong, do whatever you want, just an effort to be free. Anything goes, the denial of truth is an effort to be free. But Jesus says just the opposite, that when you know the truth and live by the truth, that's what sets you free. When you know the truth about God's design for marriage, family, relationships, work, money, and worship, and you live by the truth, then you will be free. So the question I have for everybody at all campuses and watching online, are you free today? Are you free? Because some of you in the spirit of freedom have ignored what God says about these things, but you're not free. You're all twisted up with anger and regret and loss and broken relationships. Jesus says, look, when you know the truth and live by the truth, the result is freedom. Inner freedom, relational freedom, and spiritual freedom. No more regret about where you went or who you partied with. No more relational carnage or ongoing failure. Jesus said, look, the truth will set you free. So are you free? I love what David the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119. I run, I love this, I run in the paths of your commands. There's some constraints when you follow God's commands. I run in the paths of your truth, your commands, for you have set my heart free. It's the picture of a child who's just running freely through a field of flowers, and there's no shame, there's no embarrassment, there's no guilt or anxiety, just free. Why? Because they're living by God's commands. And so in the time we have left, I want to drill down on two principles 
that are absolutely true and will set people free. I hope you're ready for this. This first one's lengthy, but we'll be done by noon, so just chill. All right? Here's the first truth. This is so good. If you're not free, there's probably a lie that you're living by. If you're not free in some area of your life, there is a lie you're living by, and this goes all the way back to the first man and woman in the garden, Adam and Eve. When God created man and woman, the first thing he said to them was, eat freely. I love that statement. Eat freely from every tree in the garden. I bring this up because some people think God is only about the don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. But the very first command that God gave was to eat freely. That's a command I want to live out. Can you imagine being able to eat freely and be naked and unashamed? I mean, what a deal. There was just one tree that God told them to avoid. All these other great freedoms, just run around, just do whatever you want, eat freely, you know, naked. And there's all, all these freedoms in the garden, only one boundary, God said. One boundary. Because truth by definition always has boundaries. He said, just avoid this one tree. By the way, if I am married, there's boundaries around my life so that my marriage and family will thrive. If I'm in my car, I'm bound by speed limits and traffic laws so that I won't uh, cause accidents. And I, I'm bound. Truth by definition always has boundaries. So God gives all this freedom with only one boundary. Don't touch this one tree or you, you will surely die, God says. It was a test of their obedience. God is saying, will you love me enough just to obey? But Satan comes along and says to Eve, God is holding out on you. You won't die if you touch that tree. And he lies to her. It's the first lie in the Bible. So she takes the fruit. She goes against God. And so God needs to banish them from the garden and they start fighting and sinning, sinning against each other. And that's been the story of our world ever since. Adam and Eve lost their freedom because a lie they chose to live by. So again, if there's an area in your life where you're not free, is there a lie that you're living by? A couple weeks ago, my wife was visiting our daughter in Missouri, so I was in charge of the dog at home. And our dog, Blue, has many lies that he lives by. We have an electric fence, and he, uh, he knows he's not supposed to leave the yard. Even if he's not wearing his collar, he knows where the boundary is. But the mail truck is his greatest weakness because they, they drive by and they throw him treats, and, which is great, but the truck can be four blocks away, and if Blue is out in the yard, he'll go and sit like a statue in the middle of the yard and wait for the mail truck. Well, the other day, he heard the truck four blocks away, and so he ran to the middle of the yard, and he sat like a statue beside himself with joy, but he didn't have his collar on, so I said, Blue, you sit. You stay. And so he sat, and he waited, and his body shook as he saw the mail truck coming with joy. And when the truck was three houses down, it was taking too long. <laughs> and so he took off. And I yelled like a maniac. He didn't even flinch. 
just a full sprint. And then he jumped into the truck. <laughs> the guy couldn't even get out to make a delivery because Blue was in his lap, nosing around for a treat. And I tell you, my wife would have absolutely killed me because she blames me for all his sins. <laughs> but she wasn't home, so that's tough. He thinks. He thinks breaking our boundary is going to benefit him, but he's wrong. He is now collared all day long, confined, and he sulks around like he's being punished. And I'm like, don't look at me, man. It's your mom. You know? <laughs> but again, if you're not free in some area, if you feel collared and confined by something like anger or regret, or addiction, or a series of bad relationships, there are reasons that why that's happening. There's a lie you're living by, and it's stealing your freedom. Jesus said, look, when you know the truth, it'll set you free. So if someone chronically overspends, what's the lie they're living by? That overspending won't matter? That more stuff will make them happy? but it's really a lie they're living by that'll keep them in financial trouble. If someone views pornography and says, I'm not hurting anybody, pornography is harmless, it's a lie they're living by. Because every time you view pornography, if this is you, something dies inside of you. Your ability to control yourself, to focus on your work or school, to relate properly to women. I mean, does anybody need to tell us? that pornography is destructive, that it degrades women especially, preys on children, erodes trust, and destroys marriage. Porn is a lie that lots of people live by. If you're living together outside of marriage, and I know this is really a sensitive topic, I know that it's completely accepted today I know lots of people decide to move in together for financial reasons. They say or it's convenient or to see if they're compatible, all sorts of reasons. I want to be loving on this. But if this is your situation, what if you knew it was against God's plan for your life? What if you knew that God had a better plan? What if you knew that the downsides far outweigh the outsides? What if you knew that every study shows that those who live together outside of marriage are less stable, have more conflict, experience more abuse, are more likely to split up and turn out kids who are three times as likely to be addicted and fail in school? Gang, I don't bring this up to shame anybody or embarrass anybody, but because I truly do care about you. I care about God's best for you. Last Monday, I was working out at Anytime Fitness, and a kid showed up. I'd never seen him before, and he looked like he was about 19 or 20. Half hour later, he introduced himself, and it turns out he grew up in our church. He now lives in Illinois. He coaches soccer. He plays for a professional uh, a soccer team, indoor team. He's actually 25, and the first thing that Carlos uh, said to me, he said, I'm getting married this summer. He said, we're so excited, and it all goes back, he said, it all goes back to something I heard you say in church when I was just 14. I said, what was that? 
He said, you said the most important decision you will ever make is to follow Jesus. But he said the second most important decision is who you will marry. Game changer. Follow Christ, who you will marry. Carlos said, I never forgot that. He grew up in White Bear. Wasn't easy for him. Raised by his stepmom when he was 18, his dad was killed in Honduras working for a coffee company. On paper, Carlos was at risk, but he came to church. He followed Christ. He faithfully reads his Bible every single day in college, all through college. He trusted that God would lead him to the right relationships. I said, Carlos, you don't have to answer this. It's kind of sensitive, but you've known and dated Shannon for over five years. Are you living together? He said, no. We both knew that would dishonor God and would not be good for us, and now we're getting married, and God's timing is perfect. The next day, he sent me a text. Look at these words. Bob, if you share our story, I ask you, please make it clear that God gets all the glory in our relationship for giving us the wisdom to live differently than the world and the patience to wait for God's timing and the ability to love and forgive in a way that's only possible through Jesus Christ. 25-year-old kid. Isn't that amazing? God has a plan for your relational life. Will you trust him to lead you? And follow his plan. Now, before we leave this point, I want to go a little deeper Because some of you are living a lie about yourself. That isn't true. One of those lies is, I'm unusable. For some of you, somebody hurt you in life, maybe even abused you, and so you have been living by this lie that I'm damaged. I'm unusable. But it's not true. What that person did to you hurts you, but it doesn't have to define you. It set you back, but it doesn't have to hold you back. In the Old Testament, Joseph was the youngest of 12 brothers. He was mistreated by his brothers, beaten and betrayed. But he said this. He said, what you meant for harm, what my brothers meant for harm, God used for good to save many lives. Don't let what someone did to you make you think that you're unusable. God often uses what was harmful to us for a good to help and save others. Another lie is that I'm just unlovable. Some of you maybe were abandoned as a little boy or a little girl. Maybe a dad left, maybe a mom left. And you grew up thinking, If that person left me, it must be my fault. There's something wrong with me. I must be unlovable. And I'm so sorry for that. Because that's a lie that sent some of you on a lifelong search for love and belonging, maybe in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. But instead of feeling loved, it made you feel empty and ashamed. And so you think, I'm I'm just unlovable. If that's you here today, could I be the voice of a loving dad? You are forever loved. You are forever loved by God. There's a thousand verses I could show you. I'm just going to show you this one fantastic verse from Isaiah. Your mother may have forgotten you. Or your dad. 
But God says, I will not forget you. For I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God loves you so much. He's engraved your name on the palms of his hands. It'll never wash off. If you feel unloved, let God in. Let him fill you with his love so you don't go looking for it somewhere else. It's a lie that someone has laid on your life. Another lie that some of you live by is, I'm just unforgivable. You know, some of you maybe did something really bad. Maybe you stole something, hurt someone, slept around, or maybe even had an abortion, and you think, I am a terrible person. I'm gonna have to live with this for the rest of my life. I am unforgivable. Nobody is beyond God's forgiveness. King David, the author of most of the Psalms, imagine this, he committed adultery with another man's wife. He lied about it. He murdered the woman's husband and then fathered an illegitimate child. But God forgave David every bit of it. David wrote this, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away day and night. God, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then, but then, I confessed my sin to you and you forgave how many of my sins? Every single one of my sins. Anybody here have a secret sin that is sapping your strength and stealing your freedom? Man, don't let that lie that you're unforgivable steal one more day of your freedom. Confess it. Get free of it. And let God's love in. If there's an area in your life where you're not free today, there's probably a lie that you're living by. Now, the second principle, I'm just gonna be real quick with this and then we'll be done today. The second principle is that truth is a person. It's so important. You know, Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But then he said, I am the truth. Which means that truth is a person. When Jesus said, when you know the truth, it'll set you free, what he, was, what he was saying was, when you know me, when you know Jesus, he will set you free. Truth isn't so much a subject to be studied or an object to be analyzed. It's a person to be known. So do you know him, Jesus? Are you filled by and led by his spirit? Because the Bible says the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, it's a person, will guide you. Jesus will guide you into all the truth because when you know the truth and start living by the truth and you're filled by God's spirit, you're going to start knowing the truth about relationships, marriage, work, money, and purpose, and you will start making decisions that help you instead of hurt you that lead you to joy instead of regret. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Of course, the most amazing truth about Jesus is he loves us so much. He sacrificed his life for us. The most incredible truth about Jesus is that he gave himself up so that we could be free. Because truth and love always go together. And that's what this mom did for her three kids. We want to close today with 
a video that was shot by two sisters whose mom gave herself up for her kids so they could be three. Because truth and love always go together. Watch this, then I'll come and close. truth 
in all the world is when somebody loves someone so much that they're willing to give themselves up for them. That's what this mom did. That's what Jesus did. That's what great moms do every single day around the world. Because love and truth go together. Moms, thanks for your sacrifice. Thanks for being truthful and loving and kind. If you're a mom here today and you haven't been the greatest mom, if there have been some lies that you're living by, What step are you going to take to turn that around and make next Mother's Day the best Mother's Day of your life? At all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer. Be on our way. God, thank you for your love, your truth. Your truth, God, sets us free. But it always comes with love. Because you love us, you laid your life down for us and sacrificed everything. Greatest truth on this planet. God so loved this world that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Truth and love always go together. God, I pray that we will be people of truth and love. Never separate the two. And I pray, God, that we will be people who live by the truth and live by love every single day. We came here today, Father, to say that we love you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In Christ's name.